0: Welcome to Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. I'm Connie Teeson. Banff World Media Festival's Spark Accelerator program for women in the business of media recently released a white paper looking at how the past 18 months have impacted the media sector, tapping the expertise of more than 50 experts and executives to identify new opportunities for the screen based industries in a time of accelerated change. On this episode of the podcast, we talked to Banff Executive Director and Playback Publisher Jen Kuzmic and Banff Content Director and Playback Editor Lisa Sardi about the next normal and why, despite ongoing uncertainty, this is an era of optimism for the Canadian industry.
1: Hi, I'm Jen Kuzmic. I'm the Executive Director of the Banff World Media Festival and the publisher of Playback. I have spent more than two decades in the media industry in Canada and internationally. Across varied roles, I started out Uh, in publishing as a journalist for c21 media covering the canadian industry covering unscripted and also the business of entertainment for the world and that was you know i I spent a decade there learning the ins and outs of the industry shortly after that i decided that I, i wanted to move into making things rather than talking to the people who were making things so I began work as a, as a producer heading up uh, development at a Canadian company called Cream Productions. And we did high end unscripted documentary, big science, big factual, big international co-productions with uh, BBC and channel four and national geographic and discovery. And I spent about five years there, uh, you know, under which there were uh, more than 10 uh, major series um, or projects that, that were greenlit that I developed and then moved into executive producing. The last one I did was a, an Emmy-nominated series called *Wild Things* with Dominic Monaghan. It was sort of a globe-trotting natural history series. From there, I moved into uh, international distribution, working for Proper Rights, which now is is part of the Boat Rocker. Banner, um, you know, helping to finance through pre-sales uh, new original content, as well as selling content internationally and acquiring. I learned that distribution side of the business. And then uh, from there came to uh, to be running the Banff World Media Festival as part of Co. Communications and, and also being the publisher of Playback, which covers the Canadian film and TV industry.
2: I'm Lisa Sardi. I'm the editor-in-chief of Playback and the content director for Banff World Media Festival. I've been a journalist for over 20 years Um, educated and raised uh, near Toronto, um, just north of the city. I have worked for national publications such as the National Post, the Globe and Mail, mainly in entertainment. In Sun Media, I led the national coverage and the development of entertainment and lifestyle coverage for that organization for a few years. And I've launched some innovative products from um, iPad publications, apps, leading ed- edge of technology, moved around quite a bit. I've lived in every part of uh, the country except for the East Coast. Um, During my my tenure as a journalist, reported from Inuvik and Tuktoyaktuk to Whitehorse, Yellowknife, Dawson City, Calgary, Vancouver, Edmonton, all across uh, Ontario
0: as well. So let's start by talking about the Banff Spark Accelerator for Women in the Business of Media, which is behind this report,
1: and what was behind its formation? I came up through the industry uh, as a producer, executive producer, creator, and then moved into international distribution, into my current role. And and throughout all of that, uh, one of my sojourns was in trying to uh, run my own production shop which we did. And uh, one of the things I noticed at the time was a lack of capital. Um, so that I think was probably the first germ we, you know, we had lots of uh, impetus to grow, but needed capital to grow. So that's probably the first place that I started to think about, you know, my place as a woman owner of a media company. When I started in this position, we uh, play, at Playback published the Indie List every year. The indie list is the top 30 or so production companies in Canada by production volume. And looking at that list, this was back in 2018 at the time, and I don't think it's changed considerably uh, since then. The ownership makeup of those top 30 by production volume media companies was vastly non-racialized men. So that started to get me thinking. Uh, You know, what could we do? How could Banff uh, specifically be an impetus to help women owned media companies grow and become companies of scale? There are almost no very large media companies in Canada with international holdings that are fully owned and operated by women. Where are the E1s and the Blue Ants, uh, et cetera, that are owned and operated by by women? So that was really kind of where this grew from. It was from a need. Uh, and then uh, we became aware that there was some funding through the Government of Canada for uh, the women's entrepreneurship ecosystem and strategy. And that's how this Banff Spark program was created. It was created specifically to grow and foster uh, women-owned media companies, the vast majority are production companies making content. But there are others. There are there are PR companies. There are post-production houses. Uh, there are a couple of uh, streamers, uh, OTT platforms. So it's it is it is a, it is a, an array of women-owned companies. Some are uh, what you would call emerging, but the The majority of them are established, have been in the industry for many years, have produced significant other films or TV series or web series. And they came to this program. We were we were flooded with applications. We chose 100 and have run them through the first our our first hundred through this cohort. There will be 200 total.
0: So was the impact of the pandemic on smaller Production companies, many of which are women-led, was that part of what motivated this white paper?
1: Absolutely. I'll, I'll let Lisa talk to that because she was she was on the on the front end of, of speaking with specifically the media companies that are part of BAMP Spark, but also others that were profiled in this report. Um, you know, we decided to do this report right at the at the beginning of the pandemic. We didn't know what um, the impact was going to be. But uh, as the pandemic rolled on and the report was going, I think Lisa, you can, you can talk a little bit about what some of the BAM Spark participants and, and generally the impact um, on, on smaller mid-size and smaller production companies was.
2: Well, it, I think it's been a, a real eye-opener for us in the industry, just seeing the challenges that resonate through you know women in, in this business, trying to gain capital, um, trying to staff up, trying to go not from project to project, but to plan long-term. And um, it was a great lens to look back at the industry and, and see that that's a through line through many businesses. But if we want to change the business, you know, we have to start with um, including those women and, and in the industry. And especially I think because so many of um, the leaders in uh, the screen-based industry are men. I know that Jen was recently at the CARLA conference and, and that really opened up our eyes when we started to do some research about the glass ceiling in terms of the opportunities for, you know, in 2019, women held only 27% of C-suite positions in the United States. And for women of color, that's only 4%. So it, it really opened our eyes to what the industry needs to change um, and to grow and, and what are what's the untapped potential. So um, that was really useful just as an exercise, I think, for all of our brands. Four teams came together to collaborate on this white paper we have Real Screen, Kid Screen, Playback, which I edit, as well as Strategy. These are four publications um, under Brunico. So we really came together as four brands to to discuss what are the, the stories that are out there, what are the needs and opportunities in the market, and try to
0: bring them all together to, to help the industry
2: evolve and come out in a in a stronger position.
0: So let's talk about the reports parameters. And I, I want you to name drop because you talked to a lot of people from specialty channel operators to production companies to distributors to Justin Stockman from Bell Media and Troy Reap from Chorus. Do you want to talk about the breadth of what was involved here? Yeah, there was
2: over 50 executives that we talked to. That's our, our 18 reporters and editors on the team. And we looked in our own backyard in the United States, Norway, Israel, Russia. I mean, we really looked at, um, tried to get a broad perspective across the industry. So we, we really did dig deep and, and try and find what are the issues that are resonating. You know, the market's fragmented, how are producers looking to build out their portfolios of original content and how can they forge new partnerships to help them compete for audiences and and advance larger business objectives.
0: So let's talk about the the biggest impacts on the Canadian media ecosystem. What were the report's findings on that front?
2: Well, I think like many markets, um, we've seen the streaming consumption increase, and I think we're uh, our local broadcasters in Canada are pivoting um, to meet the market, you know, where the audience is. But there's also a decline in advertising revenues, which means that. For Canadian producers, they need to find new markets to sell their their products. And I think everybody knows that market is global. You know, how do they go international? How do they create locally great stories that resonate, but also resonate internationally as well?
1: Yeah, I think uh, just to sort of add to that a little bit so that, yes, that that decline in advertising revenue has obviously been a bit a big part of what's impacted the Canadian media companies those that that have been commissioning content um you know the bells the courses the CBC's Rogers Quebec or that has been part of it but obviously sort of the the streaming giants in the room have also you know impacted uh their businesses in in a massive way and of course we're all Waiting, uh, unfortunately, waiting for Bill C ten to uh, hopefully come to fruition at some point. But while that happened, you know, while we're all waiting for that, the Canadian producers, it seems, um, and you know, and this was borne out in the report, and Lisa referenced it more than ever, are going further afield internationally to get pre sales and and uh, do co productions and and working with really. Producing for with for almost no Canadian participation, the the license fees for productions have gone down significantly in recent years, and um, you know I think that that all of that is being looked at right now.
0: So, do you think Canadian companies have been fast enough to respond? Canadians are notoriously risk averse in many ways compared to other global operators. Do you think there are particular opportunities that Canadian media companies are maybe slow to embrace.
1: I actually don't think that's the case. I, I think that Canadians uh, were leaders through COVID in, in adopting uh, protocols, in, you know, getting the insurance uh, issues with, with the help of the Canadian government sorted. Uh, we know that, uh, you know, productions did continue, uh, absolutely. And, and service production in this country has really, uh, there was just a report out yesterday from from one of the regions, from Alberta in particular, which we, we, we know and love as, as uh, Banff takes place there. You know, almost a billion dollars in service production took place. In in Alberta, and so that was a that's a, that's growth, and and there are production companies that have never been busier. I think one thing, and I, and Lisa can talk about this, it's borne out in the report a little bit, is sort of that that middle. You know, it's it's the the larger production companies seem to have been able to to pivot and can can work and take on the uh, extra costs of producing through COVID, which are significant. You know, some of the smaller companies have been able to pivot into new areas, be that taking on, you know, commercial work or things like that. It's those middle-sized companies I think that have had the hardest time.
0: Let's talk about the upside of accelerated transformation. The report concludes that there are opportunities, particularly in gaming and edutainment. I'm always going to trip up on that word. Edutainment but also in reinventing financing and co-production models and content diversity.
2: Yeah, absolutely with uh co-production. I think that um that's something that came out of Banff as well was really interesting that people are I, I think different um broadcasters are seeing that their dollars can go a lot further if they you know, find partners and different production companies. I mean, one example we use uh, was Shaftesbury, which um, linked a partnership with AMC Networks. So it, it's about really using your network to expand your opportunities.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, Canadian producers have long been um, very active in, in international co-productions. You know, back back many years ago, those were often multi-part co-productions with, with you know, three, four <laughs> countries sometimes. And, and those do, I think, take place. I, I, I think what Lise is talking about, too, is, is Bigger partnerships, more strategic partnerships. That Shaftesbury AMC deal is significant. And when I was talking about Canadian-owned production and and media companies that are fronted by women, of course, Shaftesbury is is, is the one that stands out. One of the ones that stands out and, and uh, has been growing tremendously. But it's it's one of only uh, a very very small handful.
0: When you bring up partnerships, I think about you know Canadians competing in this space where. Content has become even more of a commodity. And I wonder about, you know, existing partnerships like, for example, the Chorus Peacock deal that could disappear as more streamers come into Canada in their own right. Were there any takeaways from the report in terms of a path forward competition-wise?
1: Honestly, everyone is is really waiting to see what happens with C10. I think that's going to have a great impact on the future of industry, on those larger media companies. They all do have their own way of of attacking this this climate some of them are doubling down on on production we've seen a uh, cbc has been you know just doing doing so much in that realm others are are looking at at their sort of international distribution hubs some are just diversifying the type of content that they do some are pulling back it's really hard to say and we're we're not really the ones to say in terms of what the report looked at Lisa, can, can, you can talk about if there were any specific Canadian broadcaster viewpoints, but I think we focused a little bit more on, on sort of the production side of things.
2: Yeah, and, and on distribution as well. I think that uh, distribution is clear. It, it, it's taking center stage, trying to get products out to the market and, and trying to find the best deal, TV or film.
0: Obviously, you've mentioned Bill C-10, which, you know, I think we're all at this juncture expecting <laughs> it to be preempted by an election call, but... You know, what are your predictions for
1: the next year to eighteen months ahead? I think as as Canada, as the world comes, let's hope comes out of the pandemic. Who knows? Right now, frankly, you know, with with the the Delta variant wreaking havoc stateside um, and and seemingly sort of stalling things out a little bit. But I think let's look at it this way: this past year even has been tremendous in terms of growth for. The media sector, the audience habits um, with streaming have done nothing but but grow. The there have been incredible uh, projects and shows that have been produced. The mergers and acquisitions side of the industry globally has been on fire. You know this is all growth, and and I, I moderated a panel as part of the Banff World Media Festival, um, sort of to close it out with some of the. Um, you know, the leaders on the Canadian side of the industry, including Valerie Creighton, who heads up the CMF and Chris at Telefilm and Jesse at the Indigenous Screen Office and Reynolds Mastin at at the CMPA. We were all sort of chatting, uh, as well as Joan Jenkinson at the Black Screen Office, we were all chatting. And the overwhelming viewpoint of those people was that this is an era of optimism. Now, while there are huge hurdles (laughs) to be overcome, the truth is, is that the consumption of media, the position that the Canadian industry is in, obviously there have been, been huge hits that have come out of Canada, global hits, such as Let's Schitt's Creek, et cetera. Um, you know, like I think this industry, we know that we can make a, amazing content. We know that there is a huge amount of innovation. There is a huge impetus to collaborate internationally. And I think that that bodes well C10 will work its way through and hopefully sooner rather than later so that we'll have an easy, even playing ground. But while that you know, remains to happen, I, I don't think it's stopping anyone. Um, people are continuing to you know, build their businesses, to produce, to grow and to, to explore more internationally.
2: Yeah, I would echo that. All, all is not lost would be my uh, concluding statement. It's not all doom and gloom. I think there's a, an enormous appetite for content and there are domestic opportunities And particularly, there's a couple of graphs within the paper that talk about, you know, what's resonating with the audience, whether it's documentary or animation, which Canadians are strong in those spaces. So there's opportunities and there's expertise in Canada to meet those opportunities.
1: Any thoughts you want to close on? I just want to thank you for for giving the, us the opportunity to, to chat with you. And, and also, I, there is a thought that I, I would like to close on, which is, you know, we're talking about the Bounce Spark Accelerator for women in the business of media. I would encourage um, all of your your listeners and, and audience to check out the program, to see what they can do in that realm as well, to help to uh, empower and grow the women-owned media companies of the world. The truth is that you know this isn't just about economics, it's the majority of media businesses in the world are owned and operated by non-racialized men. It's about the power that the media sector holds to tell stories, disseminate essential information, influence policy, and change minds. Um, this is an incredibly charged geopolitical time And if we all sort of band together to help grow the number of women-owned media companies, the scale of women-owned media companies, you know, how would would that change our industry and, and how would that change the world? Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Connie. Take good care.
0: Thank you so much, Connie. Have a great day.
2: Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue.